Hi, welcome to another teaching message from Sycamore Church, Ibadan, Nigeria. If you have a Bible, come to 2 Kings and the fourth chapter of 2 Kings. I'll just share something with you tonight that I really trust is going to be a blessing. I'm believing for the Holy Spirit to give us a prophetic word tonight that will just inspire us and just help us to set our hearts you know, in tune with all that God brings. I'm waiting for you in front. All that God is going to do. 2 Kings and chapter 4. I'm going to start from the first verse and um, come into the sixth, up to the sixth verse. A certain woman, can you start my time now? 30, thank you. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord. The creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not be filled. Verse 4, and when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons, who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Verse 6. Now it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said, There is not another vessel. So the Bible says that the oil ceased. There's not another vessel. So the oil seized. Tonight, I want to speak to you a very simple message that I'm going to call, it's windy, but it's okay. Let me look at somebody tonight and say that. Say it's windy. It's windy, but it's okay. Okay, look for somebody else and say it's windy, but it's okay. I don't know if it's happened to you before that you've had, for want of a better word, a very useless teammate, like maybe a co-worker, a colleague, you had to do something together. You did your part really good. And then the person was to just make the presentation and he totally messed it up, right? Have you ever had a very useless, useless, have you ever been a useless teammate maybe, right? Possible. Um, or it also happens in, in team sports where, you know, they've done all the work. They've given this striker score and he misses it. Like, how do you miss it? I'll watch the replay again because he must score the replay. He can't miss it twice. You know, you know that kind of chance, right? Um, just a useless teammate. The, the whole concept is how you're working together with somebody. Somebody does his part really good, and the other person basically messes up his part. And as I read the scripture tonight, 2 Kings in chapter 4, it dawns on me, and I'm reminded about how that, you know, we get to be co-workers together with God. Like, we get to be doing something alongside with God. Like, God is doing something, and then he gets to involve you in his process. And um, that's really humbling because maybe you're here tonight with just a sense of how much you're longing for God to do. How much expectation you have of God to work in some way or the other. As we look to the year ahead, and you know, we live in a day and age, quite honestly, where we all need God. You know that sense of, I need God. I need God to do this. Or, I need to see a move of God. Or, I need God to intervene. Or, I need God to, you know, just walk that journey with me. But just that sense of what I need God to do. But it's interesting that in God doing what he does, he invites us to also do. And so, um, I'm not talking about you like 
trying to do the impossible or do what you can't do. But God does for you what you can't do, but he invites you to take responsibility in things that he has empowered you to do. And so we read the scripture tonight and you see a miracle happening. A miracle, basically, a woman that was broke and, you know, creditors had come to take her children. And she was broke to her last. There was nothing left. And the Bible says in that moment, the prophet said to her, what do you have? She says, all I have is oil. And he says, okay, you know what? This is how you are going to participate. He says, go and borrow vessels. All right? Gather vessels. Don't get a few. Make sure you get enough vessels. And then, um, in a miraculous moment, the oil begins to flow and flow and flow till it fills up all the vessels that the woman gathered. But, but think about it for a moment. The power that was able to make oil flow, I believe is able to gather vessels. Uh, if it was down to, can God do it? I believe God could gather the vessels. Like, if you are going to make oil flow, it's easier to gather vessels. But he told her to do what she could do. And then he did for her what she could not do for herself. And what I'm saying today is about how God begins to invite us God says, there's a working I'm doing, but I'm inviting you to participate. Here's what I'm going to say, friends, especially as I look at the fact that the oil flowed to the extent. The Bible says, when they got in verse 6, when you get to verse 6, the Bible says that when there was no more vessel, um, the oil ceased. The, the miraculous move of God happened to the extent that the woman created capacity for it. The extent of God's working, it was not to the extent that God was able let me put it this way. You put 10 vessels, you get 10 full. You put 100 vessels, you get 100 full. Is God able to do exceedingly abundantly? Yes, he is. Could he even fill 1,000? Yes, he could. Could he fill 10,000? Yes, he could. But you get them filled to the extent that you bring the vessels. And so this is what I'm saying to us tonight. That God will do the miraculous within the spaces of our capacity. God will do the exceedingly abundantly within the spaces of our capacity. Let me ask somebody tonight, look at somebody around you and say, do you have capacity for what God wants to do? Um, is there space? Is there, is there room in the vessels? Is there space in the vessels for the oil to fill? And see, friends, I believe that with all my heart that this is a new season in front of us. And I don't say that because it's a new year. I'll say it again and again that new years don't change anything. Um, like 2 o'clock this afternoon as everyone's still just, you know, catching a breath. My brother in Australia texted me and said, it's already New Year here. So, when exactly is it? Do you understand what I'm saying? In some moments, you will say, yes, we made it. But some people are still waiting eight more hours. It's not the tick on the clock that changes anything. It's revelation and understanding that change things. Seasons in life are not measured by calendars. Seasons in life are measured by revelation. It's by something new I know. Something new I do. Something different. Not a tick on the clock. I remember as a young child, I used to wonder, when it, because we'll be in church, and uh, you know, when it's countdown, and they say it's 30 seconds to go, but I'm like, your time is 30 seconds faster than mine. When is the moment? <laughs> you know, I say, let's all stick to CNN time. That's the official world time. When is the moment? Ticks on the clock don't change anything. Revelation and understanding changes everything. And I believe that this is a new season in front of us. 
I say that because there is a sound from heaven over our lives. I believe that there is a sound from heaven over people. I believe that God is heralding over us a new hope. God is heralding over us a new, a, a, the freshness of his promise. I believe that God is heralding over us something audacious in this time and season. And I believe that as we start to talk about that and talk about all that God will do and, you know, we talk about that against the backdrop of the fact that we live in intense times. We live in, in a day and an age that is seemingly faster than we know what to do with it. Like grounds are shifting. Things are changing. We live in, in what I call a windy generation. It's windy everywhere. There's so much happening. It's faster than we can even catch grips on it. And it's, it's all over us. It's a noisy generation. There are distractions on every side and maybe you feel that way as you sit down here maybe you feel like just the pressure of the winds like it's blowing from every side I can hardly even get a grip on my mind they're just winds I'm dealing with just trying to keep my life together maybe it's the news on every side and what's happening in the economy and the government and all of that what's happening what are the expectations of a nation the truth is we deal with a very windy time my question is what are you going to do with it what are you going to do with the fact that there's a promise from God and there is hope and there's expectation of a working of God, but it is set against the backdrop of a very windy generation. In Psalm 55 and 8, the psalmist gives you an idea. He says, I will hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. Maybe you sit down here and you're just thinking, you know what, I just want to run away from all of this. And I don't know what running away sounds like to you, but I just want to run away from that sound of the wind. But where are we going to run to? How can you escape everything? How can you escape just that noisy sense of a generation? Where are we going to run to? You know, maybe you're sitting down there and you're just saying, I just, uh, if things don't get better, I'll just commit suicide. I'll just escape. Let me, let me tell you. You know in Nigeria, presently, under the, um, the laws of Nigeria, do you know that attempted suicide is an offense? All of us, we gather this thing. You can't run away. That's the... That's the Try and run and you mistakenly don't succeed. Like, it's so bad. You under a commission that you tried. You now did so, They will now punish you for it again. In prison for one year. The point is, we gather day inside this windy thing. If you understand what I'm saying. We live with this. Well, we run to. But, but my question to everybody tonight, really, and what I want to do in a few moments is, what will you do with the wind as you look to the new year? What would you do? What would your life look like in a windy year? Because maybe there's nothing, friends, that you can do about the wind. The truth is it's windy. It's windy. And I can't, I'm not here to promise you that it's going to be more gentle or it's going to be more calm. I feel like the intensity of the wind is even going to rise on us. That's the day and age in which we live. We've signed up for an intensity by being alive. It's windy. And there, there, there maybe 10 options I'm going to give you tonight about what you can do with the wind. Maybe up to 10. Let's see how far we'll go. Number one, you can just choose to observe the wind. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verse 4, the Bible says that the person who observes the wind will not sow. There's a life where you're just waiting for the conditions to be perfect, observing the wind. And the Bible says you're just going to live a crippled life. When people start to observe the wind, that will be the mark of a life full of excuses. Just excuses. There's always a reason why I can't. It's just the direction of the wind. The wind is not blowing the way I expect it to win. The factors, the conditions, the winds over my business. The winds about raising a family in this time. The winds about trying to get married. The winds. It's, I'm just observing the winds. The Bible says the person who observes the wind is going to live a crippled life. That will be the mark of excuses. Let me tell you the truth, friends. There will always be some odd or the other against you. In some way or the other. There would always be a reason why you can't. 
But the Bible says the person who observes the wind will not. So second thing we can do, we can try to restrain the wind. We can try to live this life in which it's like, it's all so fast, it's happening everywhere, but, you know, let's try and, let's try and restrain it. Let's try and hold it down. Um, if you try to observe the wind, that'll be the mark of a life of excuses. If you try and restrain the wind, that'll be a mark of a frustrated life. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 16 says, whoever restrains her, restrains the wind. Speaking about like, you know, she was talking about like an angry, um, a, a nagging wife and all of that kind of stuff. Whoever restrains her, restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. It's the mark of a frustrating life. Do you, do you understand what the Bible is saying here? We can live our lives in such a way that we're trying to say, yes, the times are windy, but you know what? We can restrain it. We can hold it down. We can slow it down. You know, we can start every movement that is going to slow down the intensity of life. That's the mark of a frustrated life. Third thing we can do is that we can grasp for the wind. Ecclesiastes, you know, chapter 4 and verse 6, I'll show you that. But nine times in the book of Ecclesiastes, it talks about the man trying to grasp the wind. And seven out of those nine times, it says that it is vanity. He link, links it with vanity. In 4 and verse 6, it says, Better one handful with rest than two handfuls with effort and a pursuit of the wind. I'm trying to chase the intensity of the wind and grasp it, New King James says, trying to catch up with that. It says that it is um, two handfuls with effort. Like, think about your whole life full of effort and what are you trying to do? I am pursuing the wind. Um, is the mark of foolishness. Um, chasing the wind. You can take that a step further and say, I'm trying to catch the wind. Necklaces chapter 5 and verse 16 says, it is very sad that people leave the world just as they came. So what does a person gain from trying to catch the wind? Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 16. Trying to catch I will catch the wind. That sense of you see life moving, the intensities of the world, and I just give myself that mark of vain ambition. Trying to catch the wind. Good news translation. It says it isn't right. We go just as we came. We labor trying to catch the wind. What do we get? What do we get? Number five. What else can we do with the wind? We can be tossed around by the wind. Um... I've talked to you about the mark of a life of excuses, the mark of a frustrated life, the mark of foolishness, the mark of vain ambition. Being tossed around by the wind is the mark of immaturity and ungodliness. In Ephesians 4 and verse 14, it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. And the winds are just carrying us about. It says by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Psalm 1 and verse 4 says, The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Are we going to live lives that don't even have any values, don't even have any standards? Because we live in a windy day and age. And the wind is going to be all over us and we're just tossed. That 2022 starts with you holding these values. And then two months later, your values are like you change values the way you change clothes. Like basically, you don't even know what you're about. Because you live in a windy generation. It's the mark of immaturity. When the winds of the times that you live in just move you anyhow. Change standards. 
Bible says that that's the mark of children. They're just tossed all over. What are we going to do in a windy age? I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. One more thing that I would suggest we can try and do is we can try and gather the wind. Gathering the wind is a mark of false control. And we can set up our lives in such a way that we assume this sense of control over windiness. And so in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 4, it says, Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in a garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? Who is that person? Stand up. You say you will gather the wind. You say you will assume this sense of control over the windiness of a generation. And there's so many things we tell ourselves. We set all these marks and, you know, we just believe this would amount to gathering the wind. This would amount to me having this sense of I can just control that sense of windiness about life. Um, it doesn't happen. It's false control. You know, whatever you call it. It doesn't matter how windy the generation is. Um, by what I have, there's control. It, it's just a mark of false control. Um, so, what are we going to do? What are we going to do because it is windy? And it's going to be more windy. It's windy. It's what we live in. How me look at somebody and say, it's windy. What are you going to do? It's windy. What are you going to do? It's like a hurricane blowing on us. It's getting more intense. We live in the midst of intensity. What are we going to do? We cannot just sit down and observe it. We cannot try to restrain it. We cannot start, keep grasping for it. We can't try and catch it. We can't just be tossed to and fro. We cannot gather it. But what I want to say tonight is that we can focus on Jesus through the wind. If observing the wind is the mark of a life of excuses and restraining the wind is the mark of a frustrated life, if grasping for the wind is the mark of foolishness and trying to catch the wind is the mark of vain ambition, if being tossed to and fro by the wind is the mark of immaturity and gathering the wind is the mark of false control, focusing on Jesus, I'll say to you tonight, is the mark of defying odds. It's the mark of a life of rest and of peace. I'll show you that in Matthew and chapter 14. You know this story about Peter seeing Jesus walking on the water. And Matthew chapter 14, when you take it from verse 28, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Verse 29, so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he, he was afraid. But Peter, you are walking on water. And when you were walking on water, Peter, it was windy. But you see, you were looking at Jesus. You were focusing on Jesus. But suddenly when you started to focus on the wind and observe the wind and try to catch up with the wind, suddenly when the mark of your life was about the wind, he became afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. In verse 31, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? But look at verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. You see, we have a miraculous moment here. Peter is sinking. He cries out to Jesus. Jesus catches his hands. And then we read those words, when they got into the boat. In other words, they made that move from where Peter was sinking. And, you know, they walked together and they got to the boat. But the wind didn't cease before they got to the boat. Do you notice that it was still windy? But it was okay. It was still windy. 
it, the, the things that were all over you, Peter, that were making you sink had not stopped. It was still all over there. It was still an intense day. It was still all the pressures. It was still all that sound and the news and nothing about that change. It was still windy. But there was something about a man that was focused on Jesus in the wind. He was defying odds. He was walking on water. It's windy, people, but it's okay. It's windy and there are pressures, but it's okay. The mark of a life that is focused on Jesus is a life that is defying odds. What I came to encourage somebody tonight is that, you know what? The one we focus on is the Lord of the winds. The one that we focus on is not overwhelmed in the sound of the winds. Mark chapter 4 verse 41. They feared exceedingly and they said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I just want to encourage somebody tonight. You know what? Jesus is not having a panic attack over the winds of your generation. Jesus is not freaking out about the intensities of the times. Jesus is not looking at January and February and saying, hey, how can we make it to the ember months? Jesus is not starting out and saying, because of the economy, he is Lord. And the winds and the sea obey him. I just want to say tonight that when we focus on Jesus in the winds, we focus on a greater one. We focus on one that holds all authority. We focus on one that is never failed and is not about to start failing. The winds and the sea obey him. So tonight, I just wanted to encourage somebody and say, what are you going to do with the winds? Because it's real. It's real. You can't deny it. And if God is going to do anything, I know there's so much God wants to do. And I know there is promise over our lives. But I'm saying that everything God wants to do, he invites us to participate with him. And so as we choose to be people tonight that say, you know what, we focus on Jesus through the wind. Um, I believe that it becomes a sound of strength. It becomes a sound of rest and of peace. It becomes a sound of, it's fine. Not because everything is fine, but because the one who holds me up is strong enough. It becomes a sound of life. It's amazing that the wind that knocks people out can be a sound of life for you. Let me show you Ezekiel chapter 37 and verse 9. He also, he said to me, prophesy, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceeding great army. You know what I felt the Lord say to me tonight is, in the sounds of a windy generation, in the sound of invading winds, it's a sound of strength for you. It's a sound of new life. It's a sound of coming together. It's a sound of a rising up. It's not a sound of defeat. It's not a sound of confusion. It's not a sound of being tossed to and fro. In the place of a sound of wind, it is a sound of a rising up and of strength. I want to say tonight, friends, it's windy, but it's okay. I pray you would hear that in your spirit tonight. It's windy, but it's okay. It's windy, but it's okay. Peter, you are looking at the winds and you are afraid. Peter, I'm not saying it's not windy, but I'm saying there is a presence with you. This is not about the absence of the wind. This is about the presence of Jesus. This is not to say the wind is not there. This is to say Jesus is your very present help in times of need. This is to say that the grace of Jesus will take the shape of the need that you have. This is to say that the grace of Jesus will take the shape of the void and of the need in your life. This is not to say that the wind is not present.
present. This is to say that Jesus is present and that the winds and the waves obey him. It's windy, but it's okay. It's windy, but it's okay. As you think about the year to come, it might look windy. And I know you hear the sound of intensity, but it's okay. It's windy, but it's okay. Help me look at somebody tonight and say it's windy, but it's okay. I want you to say it such that somebody can hear it in their heart tonight. It's windy, but it's okay. You see, the wind comes with the sound of that noise of fear. Maybe you walked in here tonight and it's just every question and agitation and you even start to pray in fear. It's just that sense of fear. It's just that crippling sense of fear because of the wind. The Bible says as Peter looked to the wind, he was afraid. I pray tonight that you're not going to look to the winds more than you look to Jesus. I pray tonight you're not going to be more conscious of the winds than you are of Jesus. I pray tonight you're not going to be more conscious of the news headline than you are of his promise over your life. It's windy but it's okay. It's windy, but it's okay. Might be a stormy season in your life right now, but it's okay. It's not the absence of the storm. It's the presence of your Savior. It's the presence of Jesus. It's windy, but it's okay. The winds may beat against what you're building. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24, Therefore, whoever hears this saying of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Friends, there's what it means to be a Christian. There's what it means in this day and age. And as you look to a new year and say, I'm building my life upon the rock that is Jesus. I am building my life upon the authority of his word. I'm, I'm not just working hard. I'm not just putting in effort. I am building upon the rock. And Jesus said, the one that builds upon the rock, the rain descended, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. I would think if you were building a life on Jesus, why are you going through these things? The floods came, the winds came, they beat on the house. I know you face the reality of the winds, but listen to what the Bible says. It did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Hey, it did not fall. You're going to outlive the winds. You hear what I'm talking about tonight? It did not fall, for it was founded upon the rock. But everyone who hears this saying of mine and does not do them. There's the other guy who is the foolish guy who is building his house on the sand. He's putting in effort. It's annoying to me. It's painful that he's actually working hard. He's building. The Bible didn't say he's just playing around. He's actually building. But he's building on the sand. And the Bible says the same things happened to him. The rain descended. The floods came. And the winds blew and beat on that house. We, are, we gather day in this thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? It happens to everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. But the difference is the one that is building on the rock. Because it blew and beat on that house and it fell. The Bible says, and great was its fall. For it to be a great fall, it means there was great effort and it was a great building. And so it had a great fall. But tonight I believe I'm speaking to people that say, you know what? We're not just building. We're not just putting in effort. It's not, it's not hustle. It's not gra-gra. I am building my life on a rock. You say, why are you confident about things to come? Is it because you know the variables? No, I don't. Is it because you don't go through stuff? Is it because they, you're not living in the times we are? I am living in that very same day, but there is what it means to be a child of God. There is what it means to build my life on the rock. There is what it means to be planted in the house of God. There is what it means to be that man that honors God, that puts God first, that sets my life life focus on Jesus it's windy but it's okay it's windy but it's okay help me look for two people tonight and say those words again it's windy but it's okay it's windy but it's okay one last scripture and I'm done Isaiah chapter 14 verse 31 it says but those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And as I read that again tonight, I, I know you've have you heard about how the eagle flies. I took this out of an article. Let me just read this. How the eagles use the wind. This article writer says, Fearlessly, the eagle would fly into the fierce winds, using the storm current to rise higher quickly. The pressure of the storm is used to help them glide. Now, this is the most interesting part. Without using their energy. As wings' unique design allows them to lock in a fixed position amid the violent storm winds. They use it. They rest on it. They lock in it. And the wind carries them higher. And as I thought about that tonight, I said, come on, are you grateful we live in intense times? Because it is in the midst of the intensity that God is going to show his power. It's not about your strength. It's his rest. There's a rest that found in Jesus. Come on. It's not about how hard I can strive. It's not about how wise I am. There's a rest I fight. Those who wait upon the Lord, they renew their strength. They mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And tonight I want to say to every eagle believer, it's windy but it's okay. It sounds to me like good news. It sounds to me like God is set to do through your life and in your life what ears have not heard, what eyes have not imagined, what has not even come into the mind of any. It sounds to me like God is going to use unusual times to show his unusual grace in your life. It sounds to me like God is going to defy odds. It sounds to me like people walking on water because they are focused on Jesus. Not because of any scientific explanation. Not because of any background strength. Not because of any wisdom in yourself. It sounds to me like people walking on water. How are you doing it, Peter? Because I'm focused on Jesus. Peter, you didn't at any point in time become greater than the waves or the winds and all of that. You didn't get wiser than them. But all you did was that you learned to focus on Jesus. And as you looked to him, you kept a focus on him. Um, as it, it, It's windy. It didn't stop being windy. Um, but Jesus never stopped being the very present help in time of need. Amen, anybody? Come look at somebody one more time. Say, it's windy. Stand to your feet. Say, it's windy, but it's okay. Look for somebody else. Say, it's windy, but it's okay. It's making you rise higher, somebody. It's making you get stronger. You are defined odds. That's the sound of heaven that I hear over people's lives tonight. That you are defined odds. And it might look like unusual times. And every other bird is running for cover. Why, why are you not flying? Because it's windy. But I see people taking flight in the direction of the wind. I see a fresh audacity upon people. I, I see people thriving in unusual times. See, the, 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 the calendar doesn't look like it, but the revelation looks like it. And the calendar doesn't look like it, but the word of God sounds it unapologetically. Come on, somebody. It's windy, but it's okay. It's windy, but it's okay. Let your spirit hear that tonight. It's windy. I'm not trying to slow down the times. I'm not trying to. I'm not just sitting down and observing the times. It's windy, but it's okay. It's okay. It's a new level of rising. It's a new level of rising. It's not about the economy. It's not about, you know, political, all of that. It's a new level of rising. It's windy, but it's okay. God's word stands true over our lives. I, God doesn't adjust his word to the times that you live in. 
God doesn't slim fit his word to be comfortable with the day and age in which you live in. God is unapologetic, steadfast about his word. Are you hearing me tonight? If he said it, he will stand by it. He's not, he doesn't say one thing back out on it. God stands by his word tonight. And I'm just saying that in this day and age, that sound of heaven over your life is true. That sound of hope that God offers is true. That sound of hope in raising your family, in building your business, in running your career, in doing your school. That sound of the hope that heaven speaks over our lives and breathes over us is true. And God is faithful. God is faithful. Doesn't matter the day and age in which we live. It's windy. But I came to tell somebody tonight, God, it's okay. It's okay. You might need to remember that in the middle of a tough year, in the middle of uncertainties. Oh, how long is a pandemic going to last? It's windy, but it's okay. Uh, it's windy, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yes. It's okay. You don't have all the answers you want to have, but you have Jesus to look to. He himself has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. He doesn't chicken out in the wind. It's windy, but it's okay. I have a scripture to share with you as we pray. Isaiah and chapter 32. Isaiah and chapter 32 and verse 2. Because as God starts to do unusual things with people, um, the, the Bible says there will be a place of safety from stormy winds, a stream in the desert, and a rock that gives shade from the heat of the sun. This is the promise I brought for somebody tonight. That before you thought the wind was all about you finding your own safety. But tonight, God said I should let somebody know that he is so changing the value over your life that the winds you were trying to escape from before, now you are becoming a place of safety in those same winds. You will be a place of safety from stormy winds. The things that you thought I needed so much and you know my life was just crippling trying to get by God says I should tell somebody tonight that in these unusual times the winds haven't stopped but you have become a place of safety it's the mark of the blessing over your life somebody would you pray tonight and say in the name of Jesus the winds don't get the better of me it's windy but it's okay my focus is on Jesus it's windy but it's okay I'm becoming a place of safety in this day and age in this generation I'm becoming a place of safety I'm becoming a sound of heaven in a needy world that's who I am. That's, I'm, not, I'm not the sound of the earth. I'm just groping by, hustling through every day. In the name of Jesus, I'm a sound of heaven in the earth today. I'm a sound of life where there's no life. I'm a sound of peace. I'm a sound of hope. It's windy, but it's okay. In the name of Jesus, my eyes are on the Lord. My focus is on the Lord. In the name of Jesus. If you enjoyed this message, we would love for you to subscribe wherever you're listening or visit www.sycamore.church forward slash resources. Again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.